Welcome to I'm Game with Fred Croner. Today I am joined by Muhammad Scott Irwin, who um, ironically grew up on a farm in Iowa. I grew up on a farm here in Muhammad, Illinois, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, but he is the chair of the Agriculture Marketing uh, Department at the University of Illinois, now in his 26th year at the U of I after about 12 years over at Ohio State. And Scott is considered one of the global leaders in agriculture economics uh, and has written a book that is due out April 19th. And listen to the title of the book. It's called Back to the Futures, subtitle, Crashing Dirt Bikes, Chasing Cows, Unraveling the Mystery of Commodity Futures Markets. So, Scott, uh, thank you for joining me today. I'm delighted to be here, Fred. Well, before we get to the book, uh, just a few other general questions to get going. Uh, kind of like me, you grew up in the 1970s. Uh, I, I graduated from high school in 1973. I think you were a few years younger than me. Um, as a youth growing up, did you ever give any thought to going into farming itself or not? Sure. Well, uh, we are, uh, I guess, kindred souls, Fred. I graduated in 1976, uh, the bicentennial year. Um, oh, oh, yes, most definitely. Uh, when I graduated high school, uh, I thought that uh, the only thing I had in mind was coming back to the farm. And even after I graduated from Iowa State in 1980, I thought that's where I would end up. And it was only when I got to graduate school um, at Purdue in the early 1980s where my uh, career shift really took over. Well, I'll tell you a quick story. I, I might have also gone the, the farming route, except why well, I, I grew up, I didn't have any brothers or sisters. So it was me on the farm with my dad. And the, the one thing that I absolutely hated was, was walking beans and knowing how the technology was going to go, you know, with drilling beans and so on and so forth in the years ahead, I, I might've gone ahead and taken the plunge, but I, I just couldn't see myself walking beans for the next 30, 40, 50 years. And so I was just determined to do anything other than go back to, to be a farmer. So that's kind of, kind of my story. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. And, and uh, if you'd only known about Roundup Ready soybeans uh, that were just around the corner, um, for me, Fred, uh, we were a fairly large uh, hog production operation back in the old school days where it was a huge amount of manual labor. And uh, I think that was probably always in the back of my mind that, wow, when I got to college, uh, you know, I didn't have to do hog chores twice a day. And uh, that that was a really, really good thing. And of course, the other part of it is, uh, as you'll see in my, my book, um, I got done writing and I thought to myself, uh, with all of my mishaps on the farm, why my dad ever thought I would make a good farmer? I don't think I would have ever survived. <laughs> so talk about, you, you talked about going to grad school. So talk about what, once you got there, how did that kind of change your outlook in terms of, of what you wanted to do with your life and, and how did that come about? Well, literally the, the honest truth is, Fred, I just fell in love with academics at Purdue, uh, where I, uh, I just had incredible mentors. Uh, it was a great time to be in that department as a grad student. I just loved it. Uh, everything about being a grad student, I loved. Uh, you know, I've just totally focused on uh, studies. I actually got a much higher grade point average in graduate school than I did as an undergraduate because I finally really got serious. And I just loved everything about the intellectual environment. I just kind of found myself literally and I've never left so and then not only uh, found yourself in grad school you went on to, to get your doctorate too exactly I started off uh, just 
I was going to get a master's the day I walked into Purdue in August 1980 uh, and return home to the farm with a master's degree. Uh, kind of, I guess my dad thought I could be a master farmer, uh, <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I got there. And uh, in particular, my uh, first advisor there was a, a great man named uh, Bill Urich. And he really said, Scott, this is what you really should seriously think about doing with your life, with your skills. And it was some of the best advice I ever got. So I know over the years, you have written some articles and op-eds that have appeared in the, the New York Times and, and the Washington Post. Uh, as you were doing those, did you ever see yourself uh, possibly writing a book or not? No, I really didn't. I was just so busy with just, you know, the activities at the university in terms of teaching, uh, my regular writing for academic outlets and uh, my extension activities leading the farm doc project at the University of Illinois, that I just didn't have time to think about it. And uh, also young kids like lots of other people, uh, you know, so my, my life was very full. And I never, never, never really was a goal of mine. It's not something that actually economists do a lot of these days writing books so uh in and of itself just writing a book is fairly unusual people really focus on the academic journal articles so about five years ago you started back to the futures what what was your original goal when you kind of uh got started with that project well um you know uh at that point i had been in academics for over 30 years, uh, you know, full on 100%. And I, you know, I've always needed new challenges to keep myself interested, excited and, and pushing forward. And I just wanted to do something really different than solely write for an academic audience. So I came up with this idea of writing a popular book that, uh, would try to explain uh, commodity futures markets, which has been my lifelong passion and interest and topic of study in academics. And uh, they're, you know, very misunderstood uh, role in our economy and people are constantly confused about them. And so I said, I'm really interested in writing something that, um, you know, any person could pick up and get a good explanation of how these worked. Well, and I think that would be a, a very difficult challenge to get through to like a lay person like me, uh, except the path that you took, you, you put a lot of personalized stories in there, and then you were able to relate those stories to um, the, the world of, of, you know, agriculture, economics, and, and commodities, and, and marketing. And uh, so a lot of your personal experiences uh, just really made it a very good read and a very interesting book. Uh, is that kind of the way you felt when you were finished with it? Well, I hope so. We'll find out what uh, people really think about it uh, because it is, I will say this, I have never seen another book written in the style that this book has been written, at least coming out of economics. Uh, so it's very unique. Um, uh, I came up with the idea as kind of interesting uh, you know, because it is such an unusual um, idea. One of my favorite authors is a guy named, uh, is a writer named Michael Lewis. He's written Blindside, uh, Big Short, uh, Moneyball. And he has this technique where he writes about something that's in 
business or economics or statistics is he has a chapter, he personalizes it in some way, and then he writes about the more technical aspects. And he goes back and forth like that through his whole book. And just one day, it just occurred to me while I was reading one of his books, I said, you know, I think I could do this with uh, commodity futures markets uh, because very few people have any idea of the insane stories and uh, many near brushes with death I had, particularly on the farm. Uh, and I said, maybe I could uh, could turn that into a book, uh, you know, this idea. And so uh, Doug Peterson is one of my uh, closest and dearest friends. And uh, we've been meeting for lunch for almost 30 years together. And one day at lunch, I told Doug this idea. And he's a professional writer. He's a real pro. Like me, I'm just an amateur writer. And he said, I think we could make that work. And so we just started mapping out how we could do this about uh, five years ago. And when we really got serious about it, I, I told Doug that there were only two requirements I had if we're really going to go through with this. Uh, one, it has to be written for a non-academic audience. It has to be suitable for a general broad audience. Uh, and secondly, it has to be funny. And so I, I hope I, I've met those two goals. Well, I haven't gotten through the whole book yet. I'm about 100 pages into it, but I would say for the first 100 pages, I, I would definitely vouch that uh, you met both of those goals. Um, so talk a little bit more about Doug Peterson, for, for, who's also from the U of I. What role did he play in terms of pulling all this together? Did he do some of the, the, the ghostwriting and, and editing and so on and so forth? Well, Doug is definitely a full partner in this, this project. It is my story, but but Doug is a, a full co-author to this uh, book. Uh, it would not have been possible without his uh, input and uh, his skills as a as a pro as a writer. Uh, so his role was uh, we started about uh, like I said more than five years ago. Uh, he interviewed me at lunch for almost two years. Uh, and we had incredible fun because there's a lot of crazy stories from my life that uh, got left on the cutting room floor. And so we just, I just started telling him these funny stories and he would write about them or he would record them digitally and then have a create a transcript of uh, all of these interview sessions. And then we talk about, you know, different aspects of the commodity markets and logically how you would talk about them. And it was Doug. Doug wrote the first draft. You know, he came up with the organization of the stories and then the subject matter that I, I had to teach him about. And he wrote the first draft of, of every chapter. And then I'd come back and edit it. And then we would edit and edit and edit. We we edited and wrote some more for about three years. Uh, uh, that process. So th that's really how it how it evolved. Doug would interview me, and that would be the raw source material for each chapter. And then we would just go back and forth and talk about how to revise and edit it. So one of the very first things that impressed me was that the very first story in, in your book, which you can talk about here in a little bit, but uh, riding with your father to the to the grain elevator and then uh, a little accident, not a little accident, but an accident <laughs> you, um, as you were waiting for your father. But the thing that impressed me about it was that then you had done the research, gone back to find a newspaper clipping so that you had the exact 
you know, accurate information in terms of the, the date and, and how many, uh, you know, what the distance was after you were hit by the, by the truck and so on and so forth that you were, you know, hurled through the air. So I think that right there showed me uh, a commitment to accuracy. And I think then that opened up, you know, as I'm reading the rest of the book, I'm thinking, you know, you know, this is not just something made up. These are all facts. This is all true, just based on what you did at the very beginning. So you want to tell a little bit about that story and then how important it was for you to do the research to uh, to get everything out there and make sure it was accurate. Oh, yeah, I really appreciate that you asked that, Brad, because that's really important to me. First off, that's my academic nature. Uh, fundamentally, I'm a researcher uh, and I've been doing this my whole life. And you have to get it the facts right to be a good researcher. It's just that simple. And I know that's true as a journalist as well. But but that, so that's my nature that that it has to be accurate. Um, but it didn't take long to get into this project. Um, and, you know, the best parts of the journey were really sharing these crazy stories with Doug because he'd just shake his head a lot like, wow, I had no idea that, you know, my good friend had a lot life like this. And I knew that it had to be accurate for people to believe them. And so uh, I went to great lengths to try to uh, confirm all the details of these different stories with as many different people and sources as I could to make them uh, absolutely as accurate as I could make them. And so uh, that was, you know, that's a theme through there that uh, as hard as some of these are to believe, uh, this is the way as very best I can tell it, these are the way the stories really happened. Uh, they're um, some pretty unbelievable things for sure. Well, and then another thing you did, it's not just, you know, you and your stories and then and then commenting on the, uh, you know, the, the academic side or the, you know, the, the marketing side, commodities and so on and so forth. But you actually interviewed different people to also get some points across, too. Was that another element that you felt was important to have other voices beyond just your own in there? Well, it's interesting. I did not. We, when we started, we didn't uh, have that as an idea. We were just going to write a book that uh, combined my autobiographical uh, memoir material with various aspects of commodity markets. Um, but as we you know, started to really put the book together, we could see that there were some holes in my life experience that where we needed to explain things. And you know, the first time that this really um, came up was for me you know one of my first formative experiences and in, in developing my love of the of the grain markets was the the elevate trips to the elevator with my dad as a child in bagley iowa and just being fascinated by that place and then when i got to college i uh, got to make my first trip to the chicago board of trade and see the old trading pits and really the trading pits just electrified me seeing those and getting connected to those. And I knew to tell this story, uh, you know, in a historical context, I knew that I needed somebody who was, you know, lived their life professionally in the trading pits in Chicago to bring that to life. And Fortunately, uh, I've got to know the CEO of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, now the world's largest futures exchange up in Chicago, a guy named Terry Duffy, an incredible character. And he agreed to do an interview uh, where he would tell his story 
about uh, how he got started trading in the pits. And it is a quite the yarn of uh, how how he got started trading in Chicago. And so that kind of opened up for Doug and I the idea that, wow, well, maybe there are other places in this story where we should bring in other people besides myself and some of their autobiographical material to help explain different parts of the uh, story of commodity markets. And so that's how it got started. And we interviewed, uh, the other main person we interviewed was uh, another former um, legend at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, Leo Malamed. And then we had various other people that that we interviewed all the way to my my uh, cousin, Eric Hansen, uh, for one of my favorite stories towards the end of the book. You know, I had a kind of a similar start uh, as well. My, my father was kind of a small farmer, so he didn't have a, a grain truck himself. So uh, there's a guy in Fisher, Dutch Oyer was his name, who, who had a grain truck. And then every harvest season, uh, he would be the one that would haul the grain to the elevator. And, and I got to ride along. So I um, I got to experience that too. And then, you know, watch as they would take the samples and, you know, weigh, weigh the truck right. to see how much it weighed and then uh, take the sample to see what the moisture content was and then go dump the grain then go back on the scales again. And and it was just a, a fascinating process for me. And and like I say, there's there's a lot I liked about farming, but the, the, the walking the beans was just <laughs> the, uh, the uh, you know, line that I drew. I wasn't going to go past that. So I want to ask you, you, you uh, one of the things you talked about in your book quite a bit was some of the shenanigans you got into with your childhood friend, Jack Hunter. I'm wondering, did you run this book by him and let him see a copy to see if uh, uh, he wanted everything in there that, that you put in there or what? Uh, what's his reaction? Oh, my, 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 my good friend, Jack Hunter, as I said, uh, he's the real star of the book. If you read the whole book is my buddy, Jack Hunter, uh, who was my best friend growing up. Uh, yes, I, I did. And Jack is uh, proud of all of those uh, shenanigans. Uh, he's quite the character. And, uh, you know, so yeah, he I gave him a copy of the book, what, almost a year ago, uh, so that, uh, and just to, to be clear, uh, uh, anyone that is quoted in the book in to any extensive degree, I went back and um, um, allowed them to review the material so that uh, for accuracy or if we so there was no misquoting. And so that process was incredibly fun. I had to dig, you know, I had to send it like another one of my good friends from high school. Uh, is a uh, veterinary surgeon in the East Coast. And so I had to track him down and say, is this story accurate? And then, uh, you know, to Jack Hunter, to everybody else I interviewed in the book that's quoted, uh, they all had a chance to uh, review where they were quoted. I've read some of the, the reviews about the book that are, are included. And, and one in particular I saw is one reviewer said, it's as entertaining as it is educationally. So I think that right there just uh, pretty well sums up. It, you know, you said earlier kind of what your goal was. And I, I think that uh, that shows right there what the, at least some of the people are thinking about it. Well, it is good to, uh, you know, get that kind of uh, confirmation that uh I think we were successful in meeting our original goals, but uh, you know I'm an economist, and the ultimate test is the market test. We'll see when it's released if people will uh, uh, believe that enough to plunk down some money and read it. 
That's for sure. So it's coming out in, in hardback, paperback, and Kindle. Was that something, uh, again, that was in the plan all along, or were you just kind of planning originally for a paperback and then just kind of expanded into the, the other areas? Well, it's interesting. Um, I've had to learn a lot about the book business uh, because this is my first book. Uh, you know, originally when I said, oh, we're going to write a book, you know, given my age, uh, I think of a print book. Uh, but it became obvious as uh, I proceeded that you really had to also go the ebook route uh, as well. Fortunately, this is where Doug has a lot of experience with that, with his own books. So that was a, a huge help in terms of understanding how the book world works today. I don't know if I have enough uh, background to ask very many, uh, you know, fascinating questions about the commodities market and futures and so on and so forth, hedging that you all, all the topics you cover in the book. But I do have one question I want to get into, because it was something that uh, my father had said when, when we were growing up, he talked about how he had heard, and I don't know if there's any truth to it, but he had heard that the, the land in central Illinois was some of the richest and finest uh, that there was even in the world in terms of growing crops. So what I wanted to ask you, is a bushel of corn that's produced in Ohio the same as a bushel of corn that would be produced in Iowa in terms of the of the quality and so on and so forth? I mean, obviously a bushel is a bushel, but I mean, uh, you might have you know the in terms of the size of the kernels and so on and so forth. You you know they might be bigger, they might be better. So just what what is what is your thought in terms of of that? Well, from a market standpoint, there is no difference. Number two, yellow corn in Bucyrus, Ohio, and Muhammad, Illinois are the same. They, uh, economists use a fancy word to describe that. It's called fungible. You can exchange one unit for the other. And in fact, this, you know, a bushel of corn grown in uh, northeastern China, uh, if it meets the number two yellow corn standards, it can be exchanged for a bushel of corn from uh, Muhammad, Illinois. So that's really the heart and soul of what makes a commodity a commodity is that at least from a uh, market standpoint, you know, there can be some technical differences in things like starch content and oil content. And, you know, there, but from a market standpoint, buyers are willing to see corn in these different places as uh, equivalent. Uh, now, I would want to add, Fred, that you know, one thing that your dad said was absolutely right, um, that, you know, the central Illinois uh, farm ground for growing crops, extensive crops like corn and soybeans is among the most productive on the planet. There is no doubt about it. The combination of the soils, the climate, and then the uh, skills and abilities of the farmers that have accumulated here over the decades. Uh, this is uh, the heart and soul of one of the most productive crop growing areas of the world. That is absolutely true. Now, what I'm saying is that, you know, the, the product uh, is, you know, it, it's very bountiful what we can produce here, but it's pretty much the same as what they produce in other areas of the world too that are producing the same crops. Hmm. Okay. So after you've gone through this, do you see a sequel? Is there going to be a second book, do you think? Uh, actually, I'm already planning uh, a, a form of a sequel. 
<laughs> All right. Well, that sounds exciting. Uh, before I tell you, or before I ask you to tell people how they can get the book, I did have one other question I meant to ask you earlier, and this even your, your pre-book days. Um, but one of the things that you got to do, I think it was around 2007 or 2008, you got to testify before Congress uh, about uh, speculation in the futures market. And I just wanted to ask you, what was that experience like? Was that kind of daunting or is that something that uh, you really enjoyed? Well, I actually kind of really enjoyed it. Uh, it was a crazy experience. Uh, usually those are kind of quiet, dull, you know, committee hearings with they're not very well attended, but this was at the height of the uh, hysteria about uh, commodity prices, particularly crude oil and gasoline in 2008. So it was kind of a circus atmosphere. And uh, the, the, the panel that they had assembled for this particular um, hearing was, we, we, we couldn't agree on anything. And it's also where I really, uh, uh, started uh, working with and becoming really good friends with a guy named Craig Perong, who is really has a pugnacious personality. And uh, Craig is interviewed for the book extensively, and uh, we talk about uh, that hearing in the in the book. So yeah, it was a definitely an educational experience. I realized that the main purpose of the hearing was not to really try to learn how things were really working in the commodity markets, but it was really just a platform for people to make political statements. Uh, and that's the way it really came down. So we've been talking today with Scott Irwin from Muhammad. Uh, his first book is coming out in just a matter of weeks, Back to the Futures, Crashing Dirt Bikes, Chasing Cows, Unraveling the Mystery of the Commodity Futures Market. Scott, you want to tell people how they can uh, get this book and are pre-orders available and where will it be available once it is on the shelves? Well, it is uh, uh, going to be available through Amazon and I hope hopefully uh, Barnes and Noble uh, website as well. But the primary place will be Amazon. It's easy uh, to find on Amazon. Uh, right now, the ebook is available for pre-order and the print books will be available on uh, April 19th for order. And if you want to learn more about the book, I have a a webpage uh, at my uh, professional website where there's lots of information about the book. Uh, that's really easy to find. Uh, maybe that's the easiest way to find the links to the Amazon page. Just go to scotthirwin.com. That's scotthirwin.com. Click on the link for books and you can't miss it. All right. Well, thanks for your time today, Scott. I sure appreciate it. I, I hope the book goes well. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? No, well, uh, the kind of the interesting part about this is uh, the journey has been the best part of it. And uh, uh, I've seen you and known you for all these years and didn't realize that you were also a farm boy that had shared many of the same experiences. So I'm really happy that we got, uh, we're able to connect that way today, Fred. Well, I am too. And again, thanks for your time, Scott. Best wishes, and I'm sure we'll be in touch. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.